0: That never goes away. If you're the best at it, someone else will beat you. But if you're the first, you're fucking like, you're in the books.
1: You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I am joined today in an encore by my first ever guest, Nick Lowry of Ground Shark Coffee. Nick, how you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you doing? Doing great. It's good to see you back on here, man. A lot of things have changed. A lot. Because we talked in what, March? I think? Uh, I believe it was January, February when we had the very first episode. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's been a long time. So, you just recently celebrated the two-year anniversary of ground shark coffee Mm. Uh, fully self-employed two years now that's awesome
0: yeah thank you it's uh crazy to think about man it just it feels like it was yesterday that we started it
1: yeah it'll it'll be like that i uh someone asked me how old my company was and i said "Uh, a few months i I i don't know you know it's been around for almost two years it'll be two yeah you were just a
0: couple of months behind me like your two year anniversary will be january right
1: yeah but it just doesn't seem like it
0: yeah i just pulled it i just pulled it back up we it was january 12th was when our other episode went live so yeah a lot has happened that was when life was really good (laughs)
1: Yeah, that was before. That was before everything happened with the coronavirus, the lockdowns. I know you and I talked a lot uh, during that uh, because everything kind of went crazy, especially there where you are in Colorado. So we got some shit to talk about. (laughs) Oh yeah, we got some shit to talk about, man. So (laughs) since the last time you were on the show, you were just getting caught up in a blizzard
0: if it was okay so if it was january we had just i think gone out for the first mountaineering trip because i think we did that in january but we didn't get caught in the blizzard yet i think that was in march
1: oh, okay. i know that was in march so i know we didn't talk
0: about that but i think we did talk about like how i had just gotten my hands on all the like winter climbing gear like ice that's axes, bonds right. yeah yeah. It, oh, yeah that's what it yeah, was okay it's so, like because i think it was right after the new year that i did went and bought it all and then took it out the first time, and then that's what it was. We started. We were we were trying to get to this mountain in the distance, James Peak, but it was covered in a blizzard. And we were like looking at the storm and kind of at the outskirts of it. We we're like, "Let's just turn around. This is going to be kind of hairy." Then two months later, we actually got caught in one. Um, and I've talked about it since. I wrote a blog post about it and all that shit. But like the long, long Long and short of it is I have like, you can kind of see my face is a little bit darker right here. That's frostbite scarring. Um, we had, we had gone up this 14 or Mount Quandary. Um, Our Quandary peak got pretty much at the top. We were dealing with 60 mile an hour, 70 mile an hour winds, negative degree wind chill. Um, and like 15 feet of visibility and just fucking cold just cold, miserable, turned it around, got lost a little bit in the whiteout. Um, And that was kind of the first time I experienced like what I would call, I wouldn't even call it a near death. Um, But it was definitely a situation where it was like my climbing partner and I were like, if we don't keep our heads on straight, we probably won't, we might not go home, you know?
1: Now, how's, you know, you said that was the first time that's happened.
0: Yeah. How (laughs)
1: has, I I know it's going to happen again. because It has happened again. yeah, and it's going to keep happening because now yep. you're you're elevating what you're doing on the mountains. Yep. You just climbed your first multi-pitch. Yep. And there's going to be a lot more multi-pitch. Uh, eventually you're going to free solo El Capitan. I'm not
0: going to do that. Um, <laughs> but so but
1: what I, what I want to want to lead into here is what changed now that you've had that experience? What what has shifted in your perspective of the mountains? after that happened when that was the first time you thought this might be my last trip up a mountain i might not make a trip down the mountain right right shifted in your perspective from that point because i since then it's happened again and you've started pushing the envelope more
0: yeah so first off your audio kind of cut out weird it sounds like you're talking through some water okay that was odd it's still kind of doing it i don't know um while you're dealing with that so let's back to really answer that question. I think we got to talk about a little bit some of the other stuff that went on at the same time. So, February 12th, I think it was, whatever that Sunday was, I was out of town. I was up in Detroit um, staying with my uncle and working a jiu jitsu tournament. And I got a text from my business partner that he fell on some ice out in the parking lot outside the roastery and hurt his neck and he couldn't really feel his hand. Okay, he had been having neck problems for a while. Um, so I was like, okay, let me know how it shakes out. The next day he's texting me like, dude, this is really bad. I get a call from my mom the next day as well, that Monday afternoon. She got diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, this was while I was with her, my uncle, her brother. And... Then I flew home Tuesday morning after talking to my uncle about it. And that's, that was a really cool conversation. Um, when I told him, cause my mom didn't call him to tell him, she told me and was like, if you want to, you can tell Patrick, her brother. I was like, okay, I will. And then when I told him, I was all nervous cause I didn't know how he'd take it. Cause in my mind, I'm like, bro, this is your sister. Like, you're not going to take, like, I, I just didn't know what to expect. And I told him, I was like, mom just called me. She's she got, she has breast cancer. And he just sat there for a second and looked at me and goes, are you okay? And it was just like, I was so taken aback by that. It was such a meaningful moment to me because this whole time I've just been worried about how he's going to take the fact that his sisters might not make it. And as soon as he heard it, he's like worried that I might lose my mom. Right. And it was just so cool. Um, well the next day I flew back home to Denver, um, Adam's texted me about how bad his hand is. This is my business partner um, texted me about how bad his hand is and everything else about the pain is um, that night as I'm getting ready for bed, I get a text from him. Hey, I'm heading to the ER. I'll let you know how it shakes out. Um, I was like, okay. I wake up the next morning to a text. Hey dude, I'm heading into surgery. Then a call a couple hours later from his mom who took him to the hospital. Uh, and she's like, Adam's out of surgery. He got his whole cervical spine fused. It's like, Oh fuck. He got C2 through T1 fused. So he still has full like this, but nothing horizontally or he didn't have anything horizontally. So he couldn't work for a while. So it was like 48 hours. It was just fucked, right? Um, I think around that same time, I think the week before the girl I was seeing, her grandma died. Um, And then a week later I had to evict two of my roommates because they were stealing my other roommate's stuff and then a week later, I got stuck up on the mountain in that blizzard. Or not stuck, but whatever. dealt with the blizzard. And then three or four days after that, I got into a car accident. And then the biggest sales event of the year for Ground Shark was supposed to be the Arnold Expo. That got canceled. and I lost a bunch of money.
1: Yeah, that got canceled due to COVID, right?
0: Yeah, that got canceled. That was like early March. So that happened at the same time. Um. So, like, late February was really fucking dark. It was like I was okay, but everyone in my life was just getting beaten down, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: and, 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 you know, in those situations, you, you feel kind of helpless because if you're but I, good, but every, everything else – well, it's not, not helpless, but you feel like you can't do anything to help because everything else is falling apart. You've got no control over that. yeah
0: um i wouldn't say helpless though like and that was that was a a, an interesting time because like all that shit went on and like i really i had this moment maybe a stretch of moments i don't even quite remember but i just remember thinking like someone has to fucking stand up and make things and keep everyone together right no one else can do it like adam can't do it because he has a broken neck mom can't do it because she has cancer like fucking girl's grandma died like everyone's upset right now right no one's having a good time i have to fucking keep my head on straight because all these people like are relying on me to some degree you know yeah and because it was like the girl i was saying, like that was the first time she had ever seen her dad cry like her dad's a firefighter he's like a super like masculine man who's got his shit together and like she was dealing with seeing the human side of him in a way she had never seen before so like she was scattered about that you know um, so all this stuff's going on. And like, I was just like, okay, like handle it. Like, we're going to be fine. Everyone's going to be fine. Maybe. Right. Adam might be paralyzed. Mom might not make it. But like at the end of the day, like I'm going to be okay. and I'm going to make sure that all of these people, like all these people are on the same boat. And I just happen to be fucking captaining this boat right now. Like I'm, I got it. Like I've got to make it work. And so I just kind of when COVID hit, my brother. Oh, that was the other thing that happened. When COVID hit, my brother was—he uh, was still living at his frat house. He's a sophomore. At, he was a sophomore at Mizzou, um, and he called me one day and he was like, "Dude, they're shutting down the house. I don't know what to do. I don't want to go back and move home with mom because, like, with the like, I won't be able to do anything because she's got. Can't, I can't expose her. And dad, he's super negative. They don't have a good relationship. He's like, "I don't, I don't know what to do." I was like, "Bro, move out to Colorado. Like, move in with me. I got you." um I have a couch you can sleep on <clears throat> maybe if you stick around for the summer you get an apartment but like for now just you got to have a place to stay like you can't, you're welcome here so he moved out um mid-march you know I think it was actually like the week after yeah it was March 18th it was a day after St. Patty's Day because I had just gotten in the accident the night before um and or right after whatever um but uh yeah he moved out and Stayed with me for a while. And so I had all these people in my life that were like dealing with significant life changes at the same time. And so I was just like, we're going to get through this all together. Like I'm making sure everyone's okay. Um, And every time anything happened, I was like, all right, like, come on in. Like we're in it now. Like I'm in the shit. I'm like, my mentality had just shifted. And I was just like, I don't care what the fuck's wrong with you. Like, come on board. I got you. I can't fix it, but I could be the person you need. Um, And, you know, I really man a couple months later like my girl that i had been seeing she wound up in the hospital with, with a hundred gnarly gnarly fever she had gotten i think a staph infection um and uh what the infection that she had they gave her only like an 85 percent chance of surviving and it was like that was in may and it's just like all this shit happened and like now after everything passed and everyone's okay and like all of that like man i'm just fucking grateful like <laughs> I'm just really, really grateful that everyone's
1: still here, right? Yeah, man. Um, like, it, we're, it almost seems like that was the biggest mountain that yeah. you ever had to face.
0: Oh, totally. Dude, 100%. Like, this was all going on during COVID, and, like, everyone's freaking out about COVID. And I'm like, guys, I don't give a f-. Like, Everyone's like, how do you feel about the masks? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I have bigger things to deal with. Like, if that becomes a pressing, urgent need, I will deal with it. But right now, like, I'm just making sure my mom's okay. You know? Um, yeah. And, you know, and like, Adam's recovering really well. He's got actually more, like, movement laterally than they expected him to. Um, my mom's only got a couple more weeks of radiation, and then hopefully she'll be cancer-free. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, dude. And then, the girl I was seeing, we've since kind of ended things, but um she's better you know she's doing really well and nathan just moved by my brother he just moved back to college after spending the summer working for me and we even and not only did we like deal with all of these these things ground shark is five times bigger than it was in february by volume we did in the first half of this month more than double what we did in all of february
1: that's incredible you know, you had a lot of shit on your plate.
0: You but still her- sound kind of
1: muted, by the way. Huh, that's odd. We'll go with it. I'm going to blame it on your headphones. Maybe. But, you know, you, you had a lot of shit on your plate, man. And then at the end of it, you just said, I'm going to focus on what I can focus on. I can't fix shit but I can be here for you. You kept your head on straight and you went through that. And a lot of people can't handle that kind of pressure, man. You know, a lot of people, you know, they might be able to take one or two things and then the third hits and it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, that's when it all just comes crumbling fucking down. You yeah. didn't do that. And um, from the guy, kind of like an outsider's perspective, uh, looking in, to me, it was more, you didn't crumble because you didn't stop. You just kept moving. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't allow your momentum to slow up enough to where you could crumble. You were just kept moving through it.
0: Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, maybe most got, like most people would have crumbled. I don't like to think that, I mean, you might be right, but like, I, I don't know. I try to look at it as like, we don't know how big we are until we have to be, you know, like we don't, none of us really know our potential until we're kind of called. And like, there's a couple things I did not as well during that time that I look back on. Um, But even then I, I still think I handled it really damn well. Um, Not to like (laughs) toot my own horn too much, but, and I don't, I don't think it was anything special though. Right. Like maybe it was, but I don't, I don't look at it and think what I did was great. I look at it and think I did what I needed to for my family and for my company and for the people relying on me. Um, and maybe a lot of people wouldn't have done what I did where I just kind of started. Cause like the girl I was seeing, I moved her in with me too for a couple of weeks during quarantine. Um, like we had never, we were always, we were always like very casual. Like I had only ever seen her like once or twice a week. And we'd only been seeing each other for a couple months, but like quarantine hit and she was scared cause she lives downtown Denver. And I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen. Move in with me for two or three weeks. Like, so you're not locked in alone in your single bedroom, like freaking out. Just move in with me two or three weeks, whatever. Like if we don't like each other, fine move, like move on. But like, this is crazy right now. Like I'm not leaving you out to dry. Um, but like, I don't know. I kind of look at it and I'm like, why would anyone do anything different?
1: You know? Yeah, and, and I think it's because, you know, on our first episode when I had you on, we talked a lot about your competitive nature um, and your time uh, and becoming a, a national champion in lacrosse mm-hmm. college. Uh, we talked a lot about your jiu-jitsu uh, competitiveness and the medals you've won there. Your, You know, your mountain climbing. Well, at that time, it wasn't quite mountaineering, but now it's graduated to mountaineering. We made that. We're about you know, there. You know, I'd say
0: March we made made it there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, in March you made it there. But all of these things that you've done between uh, soccer before lacrosse, then lacrosse, and then going into a national championship game with lacrosse, and then you start competing in jiu-jitsu, you leave a damn good job that would have paid everything you needed it to pay for the rest of your life to go out on your own, started, started ground shark coffee. Everything that you've done set you up for that.
0: Yeah. You know, you're right. And like, I've thought about that too. Um, like I always say that I do hardship because someday hard shit's going to happen to me and I'm going to have to figure it out. Right. Um, and so you're right. So maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit, but like it's, that's something I like to push people on. Right. Cause I was just talking to my dad about this, talking about preparedness, like in case the election comes and everything just hits the fan. He's like, I want to get an RV, like move around. I'm like, okay, well what if the RV doesn't work? Right. Like, it's like you're going to get a camper. Like what if you don't have a place to like move the water around the RV? I don't know what you have to do. You have to drain the septic tank or whatever. Um, like, what if you can't do that? What if you have a camper? Like, okay, well, what if all the roads are closed and you can't get away? Like, what if there's barricades? What if it's martial law and you have to walk out? Like, can you walk out? You know, can you, can you do all of those things? Um, and, and I guess that applies to everything, right? It's like, I know I can handle stressful situations because in March, I thought I might die and I didn't, you know? Um, yeah. And like, as it turns out, like if we had gotten stuck up there, the storm passed later that afternoon and it would have been okay. As long as it hadn't gone totally tits up, we would have been fine. Um, but there was very real danger there. We didn't know the storm might clear up. We didn't know where the cliff was. We were walking next to, you know, very real danger, um, as evidenced by the fucking scar right here. Cause I was, I was wearing sunglasses, not snow goggles. So the wind was whipping over the ridge and through my sunglasses. And so it just like froze really bad right there.
1: Uh, that just sounds fantastic. It was crazy. It was so cool. And then.
0: Yeah. So the,
1: like the fact that you said that that was cool lets me know that you are insane. And, well, well, I don't know. It was like I'm not going to lie. I, I think it's cool too. So <laughs> anybody listening, if you listen to the Rugged Legacy podcast and you don't think that's cool, unsubscribe to the podcast. <laughs> All right. Just right now. Don't even finish this fucking episode. Go away. Unsubscribe now. Disappear. Go go do something else. Go so um, vote for me.
0: <laughs> but we uh so then like Monday night, Tuesday night, I did my first multi-pitch route. So for those who don't know, it's a, it's a rock climbing term. A pitch is like the length of a rope. So if you're rock climbing and you want to go up a face that's like 400 feet, like mine was, or even bigger, like El Cap is 3,000 feet, there's a whole bunch of like huge walls around the world. Um, and if you want to go up one, you've got to be willing to do it in what's called a, multi- like, uh, yeah, do a multi-pitch. So what you do is you one person leads, they bring the rope up with them, they get to the anchor or they build an anchor if it's a um if they have to. They build the anchor and then they belay up the next person. And when the next person gets there, you kind of swap who's leading and you kind of um i don't know oh, what you call it like leapfrogging yeah you leapfrog exactly so like the first, second person comes up and then they're tied into the rope that's now on the top so they go up and then the second person goes up too and then you just keep working your way up the wall like that and you're tied in the whole time but you get to a funny spot and you look over your shoulder and you're 400 feet off the deck and it's like holy shit like this is real And it's so cool, and I had never done one before, and I was so pumped. And so we go out there, and we do it. We get to the top, and it was just everything I wanted it to be. It was so fucking cool. It was by no means the hardest climbing I've ever done. It was actually really easy climbing. Um, But I've never done anything like that, so I didn't want hard climbing. I wanted to be able to learn on something easy that we probably weren't going to fall on. It was just kind of simple. So it was perfect. And then as we're rappelling down, I think I've probably – said this, I probably said this last time, most mountaineering accidents happen on the way down. Um, So as we're we're rappelling down, we knew, we had a long rope, we had a 70 meter rope, and the climb is designed for a 60 meter rope. And you can rappel down, um, when I say designed, they like put the, people put bolts and anchors in the rock as if you were gonna climb it with a 60, so that's where the belay stations are. With a 70-meter rope, you could make it in three pitches. We did it in four. Um, At the 60-meter, you have to do it in four. Um, But on the rappel down, we knew that we could do it in three rappels, but we skipped the wrong anchor. Um, So we skipped – we went from the top anchor to the second anchor to the top. Then we skipped the next anchor down, thinking the 70-meter would get us to the last anchor before the ground. It did not. We were – what's called simo rappelling, which is also kind of nuts. A lot of people won't do it. It's where when you rappel, you put the rope around something or through the anchor, and then you, you rappel down on both sides of the rope so that it's counterweighted. When you're at the bottom, you pull the rope out, and that way you can get the rope back. Whereas if you just tied one end of it off to something and then rappel down on the one end, you wouldn't be able to get the rope back, right? Right. But when you simo rappel, you each are on one side of the rope, and your weight is counterbalanced against each other. So you got to make sure that you're kind of close in weight or one of you is just whoop. and so you go down at the kind of the same pace you keep your weight on the rope as you go because if i like lose it lose control he's sliding through or vice versa uh um, you always tie a knot at the end of the rope so that you don't slide off the back end well as i'm going down it's dark right it's we got to the top at 746 is when we topped out and at this point it's like we had to wait for another crew to go up while we were waiting to rappel down. So like we were, it was maybe 8.30 by this point, the sun set, we're in a canyon in the mountains, it's starting to get dark. Um, and as I'm rappelling down, I hit my knot and I look down and I'm five feet above the next, next anchor. And I'm just sitting here on the side of the wall, just like nothing in front of me, just like a blank stretch of the face. And I'm at the end of the rope. And Davis, my climbing partner is maybe 10 to 15 feet above me. And I yell up, I'm like, Davis, we're not going to make it. And he looks down and sees me and I see him see the anchor below me and just goes, oh, fuck. (laughs) And like, and so what we had to wind up doing, there was a bolt in front of him. He clipped into that and then he belayed me down a little bit so I could get down. It was long enough for one of us to get there, but not both of us. So I got down to the anchor. Then he had to climb all the way back up to the anchor, which was 30 meters up, so almost 100 feet. Um, he had to climb all the way back up to the anchor, take the rope out of that one, and move it to the lower anchor. Problem was, we didn't think about this until after he got up. We don't. This was our first time climbing together. Um, we hadn't worked out a system of rope tugs and anything to like communicate. We had a really simple one for when we were at an anchor, which was three tugs mean you're, means you're on belay. That was it. We didn't have anything for, I need to be on belay or you're off or are you off or I'm off, whatever. We didn't have like a complicated, a complex system. Um,
1: And he's a hundred feet above you. He's a hundred feet above me.
0: And not only that, he's over a ridge. So like the, the, like pro, if you're looking at like the sideways profile, it was going up and then it it, like kind of came up and then it went back. And so he was on the other side of that bulge. So I, I couldn't even see him. If it was daylight, I couldn't even see him, right? But it's also pitch, like, getting to be pretty pitch black because there's all this smoke in Colorado. because after the damn state's on fire right now. So it's dark. I can't see him. I can't hear him because we're actually – there's a road down by the creek and there is, like, traffic hauling ass. Can't hear each other, can't see each other, have only climbed together once. And I realized all of this while he's up above the ridge and I can't see him. And I'm like, I don't know if I need to put him on belay. I don't know if I need to take slack out. I don't know if I need to give him slack. But I know that if I make the wrong decision at the wrong time, he's fucking coming right over my shoulder and I'm watching him. Like, so it was like, all right, I know he's good. I know he's climbed this before. I know he gets it. I knew he had a presence of mind because we talked about what we were going to do. We just didn't address this. So I knew he was cool as long as I didn't do anything crazy. So I kept him on belay. I gave him a little bit of slack. He didn't know I kept him on belay because of the slack. He wasn't sure he was trying to figure it out and he just so I, we kind of didn't communicate that very well. But I knew that if I kept him halfway on belay and he never untied the rope, even if he took a crazy fall, he'd at least not hit the ground. Right. So did that. And then 20 minutes goes by and all of a sudden a whole bunch of rope goes whizzing by my head. And I was just watching it like mortified waiting for Cause I could, I could see maybe 20 to 30 feet above me. I'm like mortified waiting for the end of the rope to come flying over. And all of a sudden the rope stopped and it still had a stretch going up. And I was like, Oh fuck, he figured it out. Like he's good. <laughs> and I get another five, like two or three minutes goes by and I see him coming over the ledge, like belaying himself down. And so what he had done, he had taken the other end of the rope tied into it as if he's going to climb, put it through the anchor and then was repelling down on the other side for a bit of a counterbalance, um, which is something you can do, but you very rarely see people do. Um, and he did it well, and he got he, back down. It's probably
1: not like he had a choice at that point, you guys. Dude,
0: he had no choice. Like, you just, had to, maybe you just had to figure it out. And so he did. And then, like, he got down far enough where we could kind of pass off. And he lowered me down to the next um, – to this little ledge we had to get to to really get to the bottom. And then we shifted everything around. And I dropped him to the ledge and all that. And, like, so we made it work. And it was, like – but it was scary, right? We're both hanging on the edge of the wall realizing we don't have the rope to get where we need to go. And, um, I wouldn't put it at the same level as what had happened on the mountain back in March, but it was just another situation where it's like, if this goes South, one of us might not make it home or both of us might not make it home, or we're going to have to call search and rescue or whatever. Um, and it's just cool to know that like, having now been in at least in two serious situations like that in the past year that like, if that keeps, I, I'm good. Like I've been there, I've done that. I know what it's like.
1: Well, it, what it came down to was, uh, you know, between the mountain back in March, mm-hmm. uh, the mountain just the other day, and then all of the shit that happened, you know, with your mom, your girl, your brother, COVID, the, your business partner, all of that going down. The key component in all of that is you kept a level head. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and like and and. and they always say level heads will prevail, but it, it's it's legit, you know. Yep. If you're running around and panicking like you're on fucking fire, screaming the sky's falling, you're going to fuck something up.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this was actually a conversation I was just having right before we hopped on uh, with someone else. Um, if you're in a given situation, any given stressful situation, and one person keeps ahead, keeps their level head, even if they're not the on paper leader of the group they become the leader in that moment because if everyone's reacting emotionally but one person isn't they're now making the calls um and what's been really cool about the guys i climb with is like back in march i was climbing with my buddy kyle and him and i have done a ton together and in that situation
1: (laughs) Hey, this is Nate from Unlimited Life Concepts, and we teach people how cash flow strategy can be just as powerful as investing. Imagine being able to earn interest off of every dollar that flows through your hands, whether you're spending it or saving it. We offer a lifetime membership to our financial education platform for $77, but right now you can use promo code RuggedLegacy and save 50% off. With go Hunt America, you can experience your own outdoor adventure at the touch of your finger. You can find hunting, fishing, and camping spots anywhere in the U.S., put there by private landowners, and you can even list your own. It doesn't matter if it's a large tract of land or a small duck blind. Just go to GoHuntAmerica.com to get started. Coming soon to the Google Play and Apple App Store.
0: We both traded the level head. there's a couple situations where I was kind of losing it and he was like, bro, we're good I was like, all right, cool and there's a couple situations where he was losing it and I was like, bro, we're good and he was like, he'd settle back down
1: and so it was just
0: cool to like pass that back and forth and because of that there's not so a man in the world
1: just passing back and forth the belay.
0: basically dude yeah yeah like the mental ballet yeah all right um dude, hang on. I got to write that shit down. Passing the (laughs) belay. Dude, that's a, that's a book title. Yes, it is. That is a fucking book title. But anyway, so like, and then with, uh, with Davis the other day when we were climbing, it was kind of the similar thing where it was like, we're both kind of cool. You know, it was a stressful situation, but that's the thing. When I think about either of these things, like like, these situations, I'm just like, all I needed to do was keep my head on. I knew I was going home. I was never worried that if I didn't keep my head on, I wouldn't, right? It wasn't like there was some crazy rockfall potential on the route we were going on. And there was an element of risk that all of the risk that was there was in my own head, right? It's a very protected route we were on. There's no, like, there's no, there was nothing there that I had to do that I had never done before, except for the things that I had prepared to learn how to do that day, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it was my first one. So there was nothing new. There was nothing like out of it. And that was kind of the same thing with Quandary back in March. I wasn't out here trying to do Everest having never experienced a winter storm before, right? Like, I'm like trying to push the envelope one little step at a time and all of that. And I just kind of hope in the back of my head when I do these things that like, the world won't blast that envelope
1: open before I do, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, uh, two weeks ago, I sent you a text saying, Hey, I'm going out solo,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, well beyond any kind of help and I'm not going to be able to call for help. And so I sent you the GPS uh, imagery of the approximate, you know, five mile radius of where the hell I would be just in case I didn't make it back. And that's a tip for, by the way, anybody who's going to go camping by yourself, send a picture of where you're going to be or if you can, send them a GPS pin to someone who's not going with you and let them know your itinerary and route, because if you don't yep. make it back, they can call search and rescue. So <clears throat> that's what I did with uh, Nick here. And you know, it was, I think it was like the second highest peak in North Carolina which isn't very high the ISP some slightly less than 7,000 feet Mm -hmm. uh, in North Carolina which is Mount Mitchell right and so I'm probably around like 63 and I'm just going down and up and down and up through these switchback like uh, passes on my way to get to the campground I had selected because I was doing U.S. Forest Service camping it's free all you got to do is just not burn the forest down you know, and I didn't think there was going to be a problem with that, with Hurricane is like, looming overhead with all the mm-hmm. rain. I picked a great week to do it. But, uh, you know, it was uh, – I parked up at the trailhead. I would taken my kids up that way before. We had, you know, checked out the river. Uh, I'd never been to the other side of the river. And so it was a two-mile hike from the trailhead to the river. And then I crossed the river, which is ill-advised when there's hurricane rains. But I crossed the river, and then I had a five-mile hike through, like, completely uncut, raw wilderness in the Appalachian Mountains. Like, I didn't come across anything man-made at all the entire Mm -hmm. time. And, you know, I was there for two days. Uh, When I got there, I dropped off most of my gear, and I had to make the same seven-mile hike back to my car so I could get the rest of my shit. (laughs) And then another seven-mile hike back to the camp so all mm-hmm. in all in one day I hiked 21 fucking miles yes yeah and that sucked it took me about yeah. two hours each trip yeah so we had I got a two hour left. walk to get yeah and so I'm humping and then I get out there and I'm down uh, by this place called Wendy Falls right and I had my $100 prize possession uh, a handmade Irish Peterson pipe you know and there's a ledge. It's probably about 18 inches wide. And to get down to my camp, which was at the bottom of the falls, you had to just kind of like, you know, shimmy along. But yeah. I've got like 80 pounds on my back. Right. And most of it's fucking water. Right. That I was packing. And so I'm face to the cliff with the waterfall behind me and like a hundred foot drop. And I'm just shimmying along. And somewhere on the way back, I fucked up my knee. and So that hurt. Mm-hmm. So my left knee's fucked. I'm face to face with a rock wall. There's so much force. If you've ever been near a waterfall, there's so much force of wind and water blowing up at you. Yeah. So I, I finally get scooted all past all that. Great time. You know, never saw another human, never heard anything man made uh, out there for, you know, the two days. But then the morning, that Thursday morning that I was going to leave, I woke up at 5 a.m. freezing. No, it was like 3 a.m. I woke up at 3 a.m. freezing. I packed out at 5 a.m. I was freezing because the water level had risen and the bottom of my tent was basically just sitting in a puddle. And I thought I was going to be a hard-ass. I didn't take a fucking sleeping bag. I slept right there on the fucking plastic Mm -hmm. tent bottom in a flannel shirt. So I woke up freezing to death. Pissed off. And I went and I Grabbed a bunch of the rocks that I had brought inside, and I set them up on top of each other, and just built a small fire out of the fire starters that I had brought, and just opened up my fucking tent door to try to get some heat in. And the rain stopped, but the thunder and the lightning started getting really bad. So I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah, so I packed everything up. And by the time I got going, it was a little after five, but it's still pitch black because the sun doesn't come up down there until like nine because the sun never gets over those ridges. Sure. And so you're just down there in these shadows. It's still pitch black, fucking dark. I've got my pack on, my knees busted. And I've got to go back up this freaking waterfall. And I didn't bring a headlamp. I had a flashlight. And so I'm holding a flashlight. <laughs> you know, police officers. That was,
0: that was another thing we fucked up. On Tuesday, headlamp. both of us forgot our uh, headlamps. We didn't even have flashlights. He nice. left his in his truck, and I left his in mine. And, like, he remembered he left it in his as we were driving in mine to the uh, approach. And he was like, oh, shit, I forgot my headlamp. I was like, oh, that's cool. I got mine in the glove box. We'll just grab it when we leave. And then as we're getting out the rope, it was like, oh, shit, I left it in the truck a mile away. I was like, oh, well. All right. <laughs> but anyway, go on.
1: He's going to make it up the freaking waterfall. And as I was on my way uh, I've got this pipe in my mouth foot slipped I said oh shit pipe came out disappeared so that fucker's halfway to the ocean by now it's not already there oh it's in the ocean oh yeah it's gone and uh that was like a pucker moment you know what I mean when yep. I, when my foot slipped yeah it's pitch black and all I can feel is wind and water yep. and I know that if I, I take a half a step back I'm gonna die you probably couldn't have driven a needle up my ass with a sledgehammer at that point. All right. It was massive pucker factor. Yeah, And I finally made it up to the top and I got over and the majority of the seven miles back is uphill, right? Cause I'd gone down into this ravine. So pitch black, dark, you can hear the bears. You can hear all, just everything. There's bobcats, coyotes, mountain lions, all kind of shit out there. You can hear all that shit right on top of the thunder and the lightning and the storm and the rain or at least you think you hear it i know right. the one quiet night i definitely heard it but my knee was killing me swollen up probably about the size of a cantaloupe never didn't think i was going to make it out at least not that day you know i might have to just make another camp and wait for the weather to clear right but eventually I made my way back to the trailhead and I found the trail by accident because it's pitch black and I'm holding the flashlight in front of me. My arms are getting tired from lugging all the gear. because I wasn't going to make two trips to go get all my shit this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so about an hour and a half into my hike and I find the trail and I found the trail when I tripped over one of the fucking little blocks that they had put out like railroad ties and just went face down into the freaking mud. That's how I found the trail. And so little. I knew, I'm like, okay, the river is going to be on my right this time. And I just followed it out that way. Mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> there's plenty of times, especially being out by yourself. That's the first time I've ever gone like true solo camping that you start to, your head plays tricks on you and you have yeah, to force does. yourself to calm the hell down. Yeah. I'm out there yeah. I'm seven miles away from the nearest human. If there's any more out there, you know, they could have all just said fuck it for the trails for the day. Gotten home because there's no houses up to that trail there's no neighborhoods yeah and so i a couple of times i want you know i could have panicked especially you know on the waterfall but it, it took a conscious and physical effort to calm myself the hell down because i'm solo if i get hurt my kids are gonna grow without me you know my wife's fucked <laughs> you know because I no longer have life insurance until it kicks in next month after I became self-employed. So she's definitely fucked.
0: <laughs> too.
1: Yeah. But you know, in those situations, we have to just nut the fuck up.
0: Absolutely, dude. You
1: know, trying yeah. to hike up a fucking mountain in hurricane weather or you getting snow blinded next to a cliff, you know, in a blizzard. You
0: just, you just to, fucking deal with it.
1: Yeah, you just deal with it. You have to nut the fuck up and do it.
0: You know, puts all that to shame. It's actually, today is 40 years to the day that Reinhold Mesner did Mount Everest solo. First time anyone ever did it solo.
1: Oh, yeah. Nothing I've ever fucking, done. Fucking, dude, he was
0: done he was 36 years old. And he fucking, like, solo mount Everest, like no guides no expedition no crazy setups no advanced camps nothing else he just fucking did it solo by himself and like you were talking about solo camping like holy fuck right and like when i think about and like i don't want to like kind of try to one-up everything but like when i think of like things like that guys like him who did all this crazy shit and all that and then i think about like the stories we share right you getting like stuck in the hurricane and me in that storm and it's just like whatever like we're good you know that's not even close like we could deal with yeah. so much more because if he could deal with that we could deal with that too i mean obviously we would need training and stuff that he went through that we haven't yet but like if if an average fucking dude maybe not average mentally but physically nothing special like if you if some random dude from austria can do that like fucking we can too and so I think about these things and it's like, it's just the next step in the process. It's nothing special, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're the same species as guys who can deadlift 1,800 pounds. Yeah. You know, that's crazy to think about. We're the same species as, uh, what's his name, that half-thor guy, the mountain. Yeah, know? it was like what?
0: Just over 1,000 pounds?
1: I think it was more than that. I don't know. I know it was I a mean, lot. I know, it was a, I know it was a lot more than I can, but we're the same fucking species. Right. You know? It just shows that – we don't even know the true limits of our potential yeah yeah we have no idea
0: and we just keep finding and we keep thinking we're at the limit and we're not oh yeah you know me and you personally but also just like people as a like at us as a race we think like oh man there's no way any human will be able to break the five
1: minute mile there you go that happened yeah you know And see, it's always impossible until one guy does it first and then everybody can fucking do it. It's called the impossibility factor, isn't it? Or is there some other term for it? I think it's something like that, but it just, you have to see someone else do it to believe that you can. Yeah, dude,
0: there's, there's this route on El Cap. They made a documentary about uh, Tommy Caldwell when he did it. It's called uh, the Dawn Wall and it's the hardest. It's one of the hardest big wall climbs in the world, if not the hardest. And he and uh, his climbing partner Kevin Dorganson, they did it. It took them, I think, 21 days on the wall to do it. Maybe even longer. I don't remember. It's been a long a fucking time. time. The wall, well, the next dude who sent it, Adam Andra, he did it in less than a week. But he didn't fucking do it first. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like. He didn't
1: fucking do it first. Yeah,
0: and that's the thing. Like, he's no. not—he's not a big wall climber like Tommy is. He's one of the best climbers in the world, but he's not a big wall guy to the same extent that Tommy is. And it's like, you could say, oh, cool. Adam's a str- like a better climber than Tommy. He did in a week. But like, no, he didn't do it first, you know? Right. And when you do something first, that never goes away. If you're the best at it, someone else will beat you. But if you're the first, you're fucking like, you're in the books. No one can ever take the first ascent away yeah. from you.
1: You know, even though it took him 21 days or more, to those two guys, 21 days or more to make it up. they can say well the next guy did it in three days doesn't fucking matter he still didn't do it first right
0: because the first guy because like
1: he only made it in three days because the 21 day guys are the ones that map the shit out yeah
0: dude and like if that three-day record or that's whatever it is that seven-day record gets beaten by a three-day record that gets beaten by a two-day record a one-day record a couple hours you know people keep beating those time records but no one ever beats the first right yeah it's something so there's something so fucking cool about being the first one to do it yeah. especially yeah, in a situation to yeah. me anyway in a situation where your life's on the line where you're like where you're climbing um or mountaineering or whatever it is where it's like you don't really know what that rock looks like you don't know what that mountain looks like you don't know what the weather looks like you're committing to this thing and you have no clue what lies ahead of you and el cap had been climbed before obviously and like in the valley and all that so it's like not super exposed as far as weather goes or like unknown I could say, but it's still a new rock. No one's climbed it before. Yeah.
1: You know, we, we turned this into a, a completely different podcast than what you and I had both intended, but I think that's right. awesome because it was very organic and uh, flowed that way. You know, wanted to have you back on because we're celebrating uh, the second anniversary of ground shark and you just got recently got into meat rubbing.
0: <laughs>
1: could say that. that I, I said it, that for a reason, brother. Um, so we've got about, I want to say, seven minutes. Let's go run down everything ground shark, brother.
0: Yeah, so two years ago, hit the ground running. I've told that story a million times, it feels like. Um, and then – my business partner, he's got like 20 years of culinary experience. So he wanted to kind of use that in a way we had the idea for spice rubs actually pretty early on. Um, it would just been wanting to bring it out. And so it's like coffee goes great with all kinds of meat. So we were just wanting to We figure we've got the coffee. There's no added expenditures. There's nothing extra. Let's just kind of wait for the right time and do it. And then it was like, well, everyone's learning how to cook from home. It's, it's summer. Corona's here. Everyone's stuck at home. like, let's just do it whatever, Why are we? what are we waiting on? So we got some spices, he pulled them together, made them work, and like people love them, man. Everyone I know who tries it, they hit me up, they're like, dude, this is so good. Uh, which is awesome, because we were just kind of throwing it out there, like, whatever, we're a coffee company, we're not a
1: rub company,
0: but whatever, might as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I make brisket with coffee, so it makes perfect sense that you guys would have something
0: Dude, we got a brisket brining right now. I cannot wait, dude. We're smoking it Friday.
1: Yeah, you know, when you first uh, told me about uh, you coming out with the meat rub, the first thing that uh, came into my mind was, you know, you always go to these restaurants and they go, well, you can get this dish and the best wine to pair it with is this, you know. And everything goes with a certain wine no matter what it is. Well, you can make the same argument for coffee.
0: Yeah, you could. Yeah. Absolutely could.
1: Coffee goes with everything. Yep. I'll drink it all day. I know you will. I think you've got an IV of coffee in the back somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. I to talk about it. But, I mean, it was a genius idea, man. And Thanks. it was cool because yeah. I, I first met you when you were just a few months into Ground Shark. And that's oh. when you were still, like, heavy trying to sell um, – uh, the, uh, the private branded bags. The yeah. 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 When you were, you were really heavy into that and you hadn't been worried about new roasts. You were like, we've got these roasts and we're just trying to sell what the fuck we've got. You were there, you know, and you and I connected, uh, when I reached out to you about rugged legacy and it's been so incredibly cool to watch you, who were just a few years older than my oldest son. Right? <laughs> I mean, Thanks, dude. Look, it's been so fucking cool to watch you grow as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a man, as a, as a leader of your own company. All right. I, I know you are, you know, you don't like tooting your own horn, but brother, from everything that I've seen, from everything that, everybody else has been able to see you're a fucking leader of ground shark. You're the face of it. Thanks. You don't slack. I've seen you traveling around the country, going to different tournaments, just to sling your shit. You're it's the level of dedication that you've got for ground shark is just, it's top. And I'm, I'm very impressed and I'm proud to know you brother.
0: Thanks dude. I appreciate that.
1: And you as well. With Rugged legacy, For sure.
0: It's been cool. Like watching both companies grow.
1: Yeah, and uh, we're a lot different now than we were when you and I both owned the unemployables. Fuck, dude. We started- Man, in- rest <laughs> in peace. <laughs> yeah. Too soon, we weren't ready. We weren't ready. We weren't ready, we weren't ready for you it. You know, that's something though, like
0: I love the idea of it. I love the idea of it. I just don't think that me and you and Dan like really had the time and the energy to give it what it deserves. We
1: owned like six companies and there was Between no Between three way of us, yeah. Yeah, between the three of us, we owned like six or five, five companies, yeah. and trying to get all of us coordinated to where we could all run one together was the terrible idea. Yeah. Maybe but, later, though. Like, I think that, like, I still maybe. like that idea. I still love the
0: idea, what we did with it. I don't like as much, but what we could do with it, I really like,
1: you know? Right. Yeah, really cool. But... Mm-hmm. You know, that said, man, it has been awesome uh, having you back on the show. It's been good talking to you. Yeah, we haven't talked in a while. We've been busy as shit.
0: Everyone has been, man. Corona's been crazy for everybody, you know. And that's, That's you know, that kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, something I actually wanted to talk about. Um, That saying, like, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, where the tough get going like i've always thought that's like really cliche but there's a lot of like there's a lot of truth to it and like i think there's a lot of people out there that are like me and you are like we don't feel comfortable if things are peaceful
1: like if things are good no. there's, and there's, there's no, no way c- there's no way we're the only two no there's, no the circles that you and i run in man the people that we know they're full of guys just like that and there's a lot of guys that we don't know who are who are just like that yeah. I mean, and like, I thought it good for me. And I just tried to get a fucking deal with NASCAR. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly, my, dude. And that's, that's my, my point. Like, into the mix, man.
0: there is no, like peace doesn't work in my head. You know, I need, uh, I need something more than that. But the peace is also the goal, right? That's the North star. You're going towards that peace, but just the only way to get there is through the storm. Yeah, and when I'm on exactly. the side of the wall, I mean, when I was on the side of the wall yesterday, and everything's going, or Tuesday, and everything's crazy, like that's when I'm, the rest of the world fades to black, and I just find peace right there
1: in the chaos. None of that shit matters for a man when he's, when he's got a mission. Everything else just goes the hell away. Even if that
0: mission is get the fuck home. <laughs>
1: yeah, but you know, for me, with my leg the size of a I've still got God knows how much further to go because it was. Just, Shuffle footing it with, you know, almost a hundred pounds on my back uphill for seven miles in the dark and a freaking risk of mudslides. I got fallen trees and shit. It didn't fucking matter. Just one more step. The next thing I do, just one more step. What's the next one thing one, I do? Just one, one more fucking one, step one, until I fell on my face on the trail. Yep. It, it's all that fucking matters. You just, yep. That's what we do, man. We're men. and you know, That's how we behave and that's how we're, we're expected to behave. You know, no one's going to give a shit if we panic. You know, right. Suck it the fuck up. Right. Well. <sighs> All right, man. I think suck it the fuck up's a great place to leave the ruddy legacy. I think so, to. too. Yeah. So, for everybody listening, this has been Nick Lowry and me, Jeff Putnam, a.k.a. Nick Lowry's stepfather. <laughs> And we would, we would both like to vehemently express to you, suck it the fuck up. Yeah. We're out.
0: Fucking get through it. It doesn't matter.
1: Thank you for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm ruggedlegacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.